Dawn and Steve, welcome Dr. Rydelnik to the show, which means it's Bible Q&A time. So get your phone out and get those questions in right now to 800-555-7898. You can call, you can text. Either way, we'll get you in contact here with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, host of Open Line, professor and dean at Moody Bible Institute, author of the 40 Most Important Bible Questions. And so bring them up. Let's bring those Bible questions this morning, 800 800- Five 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 seven eight nine eight. Michael, welcome back. As uh, we are welcoming Don back to the studio this morning as well. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. And uh, Don, uh, are you wearing uh, clothes from South Asia? I am. I am. Yes. Good eye. Good eye. It. Yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know if this is one of those soiree things because the clothing there is beautiful, vibrant. Oh, so well tailored. I was looking, but it wasn't a shopping trip. So, in the very little bit of window I had to to grab something from a store, this was it. It didn't have near as many sparkles as I wanted, but I found one that. But had it a couple. is pink. It is pink. So. Couple sparkles. Even I live about four blocks from Little India in Chicago. So when you come to Chicago, I'll take you there if you want to buy more. Ooh, okay. I bet it's more expensive in Chicago. It probably is. Yeah. (laughs) The prices were really good for American dollars in India. Mm. I know. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's how are you? Well, I'm well. Thank you. It's great. We're having a great time, and uh, I was I was looking forward to you being back. We we missed you last week. At least I did. I don't know if Steve did, but I I was happy about that much. Yeah, yeah or maybe that much. He's like, yeah. and Steve's like, she was gone. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even notice. <laughs> well, I have a question as I come back into the studio, Doctor Idelnik. Thank you for that welcome. And I I have, have been in Luke of late in Luke sixteen where it's talking about uh, Jesus telling the story about the rich man. He was a manager, and he or the rich man accused his manager of wasting his possessions. And he goes through this whole story about how he was the guy was going to fire his manager. So the manager goes to all of the debtors of his master and says, Hey, how much do you owe? 800 gallons of oil? All right, knock it down to like 400. Sit down and change your bill. And then his master says, hey, good job. I'm so proud of you. And then it goes on to say something about um, where to go, where to go. I tell you the worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcome to eternal dwellings. Now, verses 1 through 9 there of Luke 16, I'm a little lost. Can you help me? Yeah, well, the a lot of people think that the that the Lord Jesus is somehow affirming the dishonesty of this unrighteous steward. I knew that wasn't true. (laughs) No, that's not true. But what he's talking about is, in fact, it says it uh, right here in verse uh, 8, the sons of this age are more astute than the sons of light in dealing with their own people. In other words, he's saying, look, he had a bit of wisdom. He knew what would get him out of trouble, even if he had to do something dishonest. He understood how to deal with issues. And the same way, uh, the Lord Jesus says, we need, we are needing to become a little bit more discerning and astute. The second thing is the way he was astute is he understood how monetary benefits can accomplish great things. Uh, that's why he did what he did. That made him dishonest. And, this, uh, and another way, uh, what we have to do be, though not unrighteous with money, we can use money. A lot of people think, oh, God doesn't want us to use money to accomplish anything. 
but he does. He wants us to have a, a, uh, a wise use of what he calls here in verse 9, unrighteous money. We have to have a righteous use of unrighteous money. And he says, so that uh, you may welcome, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Once I heard uh, uh, Haddon Robinson preach on this at Moody on Founders Week, and what he talked about is people, he, was he had been raising money for Gordon Conwell when he was president of Gordon Conwell Seminary. And he had been raising the money, and he said there are people who are giving money to Gordon Conwell so that we can train students, some of whom might even become missionaries and go to a place and lead people to faith in areas that no one would ever think about going to, maybe even India, like you just went, or to uh, other continents. And then when that person who gave that money to that seminary ends up in, in heaven, they're going to be greeted by people who are there because of a financial gift that they made with the righteous use of unrighteous money. It's a wise use of money that he was talking about. And so uh, being a little bit more wise rather than uh, just kind of naive and also the use of money in a way that advances the kingdom rather than just advances ourselves. Got it. Oh, that's so helpful. I, I knew the Lord wasn't supporting something that he's told us not to do. So I was trying to figure out where Jesus was teaching in that parable. Dr. Michael Rydelnik helps us do things just like this as we get into God's word and have great conversations. Want to join it? You have a question? 800-555-7898. You can get that in right now. Call or text 800-555-7898. As we talk to Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Akpin, you're in South Carolina, and have a question. We're going to stay in Luke, Dr. Rydelnik. Uh, we were in Luke 16. Let's go back to Luke 11, starting in verse 37, and we'll go through 54. Uh, Jesus invited by a Pharisee to his home for a meal, and then there was this little drama that erupted about ceremonial hand-washing between Jesus and the Pharisee and the teachers of the religious law, of course. And did he even... Did he even end up eating the meal with them? Do we have anything in the text that would elaborate on that? Or what do we know historically that might have happened there? Well, I don't doubt that he ate the meal. I, there's nothing that says he didn't eat the meal. One of the things I love about the Gospels is every time uh, there's a dinner party, the Lord Jesus gets invited, he goes. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think one of the things that we sometimes neglect is to see he cared about people so much. And notice, this isn't just with a Zacchaeus type, a tax gatherer. This is with a Pharisee, a religious guy. Jesus didn't distinguish between caring about the religious versus the, the irreligious. He cared about everyone. So he goes and has a meal with him and challenges him uh, about this. And uh, what he's challenging him about is not about uh, ritual, not, not about biblical requirements, but about uh, Jewish halakha. The, the, as the years went by, the rabbis added ritual washing of the hands in a special way, which we still do uh, before we eat. Uh, you have to wash your hands. You have to say a special blessing. And then uh, when you say a blessing over the hand washing, you say blessing over a piece of bread. You put the piece of bread in your mouth, and now you can talk again. And so, uh, not in the Bible, 
So the Lord Jesus uh, did not do that. And what he was saying is that the big picture here is uh, is that he he was saying that they're experts in the law, but they've allowed their expertise and their halakha, their rituals, to get in the way of true obedience to the word of God. And that's what the point is there. Hmm. So... Akpin, uh, appreciate your question this morning. And if you have a question for Dr. Rydelnik, 800-555-7898 to text that in. That's 800-555-7898. Dr. Rydelnik, one of the other times where when washing comes to mind, I think is, you know, there at the Last Supper, when Jesus gets down, he humbles himself. He washes the feet of the disciples. Uh, that was kind of a customary thing to happen, right? But then he gets into this whole conversation with Peter, about well, actually, no, no uh, it's not customary to it wash wasn't. the feet. Okay, uh, uh, it was the middle of a seder, and in the seder, at that point in the seder, it would uh, early in the seder. There's a place where a servant or one of the disciples would have done it if there was no servant there comes in and brings uh, a laver and ceremonially washes the hands of the leader, or maybe. Uh, another prominent person that's there, but it's it's reserved for the leader, not for everyone. And it's to show that the person is ritually prepared and ready to lead the Seder, to lead the Passover meal. And what the Lord Jesus does is he takes that tradition and turns it upside down. Hmm. So instead of having his fingertips ritually washed, he instead washes the dirty, smelly feet of the disciples. Why does he do this? Because if you read what was going on in the, the Gospels, when they came in to the Last Supper, they were arguing over who gets the seat of prominence, who's the greatest. And so he shows them who would be the greatest, the one who serves. Wow. I, I love hearing that in the context of that, because I always hear that passage preached as, well, if Jesus was willing to humble himself and take on the role of the servant who would wash people's feet when they come into a house, well, we should do likewise, not really understanding the context of, of all of that. They were slipping a tradition. Yeah. Well, if you... We should serve. But it was a flip of a tradition. A flip of a tradition in that way. That That's, uh, yeah. that's cool. Well... That's the kind of thing we're talking about all the time here on Moody Radio and with Dr. Rydelnik. Your Bible questions, helping us get a better understanding of them. And if you've got a question about the Bible, write it down, save it, save it for a Monday. As uh, Dr. Rydelnik joins us to take your Bible questions just about every Monday here on Don and Steve in the Morning. Our number, 800-555-7898. Dr. Rydelnik, thank you for joining us this morning. And it is Don and Steve in the morning, hey. live in studio here, as uh, you are welcomed officially back into the studio. You. You're gone forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, no. it was practically a month, it felt like. <laughs> you don't get to pull that card because I went to India in like five days. Well, I don't care where you went. You were gone a long time. A long, long time. It feels long, doesn't it, it... when somebody's out of the studio? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh-huh. And you'll never get to play that card until... I take an extended time away. Okay. Well, and, it, and there's no death in the family. I, that's right? the caveat. That, yes. I have been out of the studio for a couple of weeks. However, it all surrounded some really interesting circumstances. So, well, uh, yeah. These circumstances were planned. They yes. were knew you were going to be doing this here. Off to Mumbai, India. And as you did a very quick trip, leaving a week ago today yes. and back on Saturday. 
as you kind of reflect back now, I know there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that you know you can you're going to report on. And you'll tell us over the the weeks to come. But if you were to kind of summarize the trip in a few sentences, like how was the thing? It was amazing. Yeah, there was everything about it that was amazing. And the team that went, there were four of us from Moody Radio, hosts from different markets. Uh, one of the texts last night said, "I'm still processing," and I thought that is that is true. And I know we all kind of process things differently. Here was my experience as far as like how my heart and mind engaged. These are real people living a real life. It is difficult. They don't know the Lord. Like, and when I say they, what I mean is the women that are being trafficked. Because this is so where you we went. Into like red light districts. We were in the and, red light district. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would see what is going on there. And my perception of red light district and reality is different. And every red light district is different. Even the three that we walked through were different from mm-hmm. one another. There was that. And to see real faces that were created in God's image and God has a plan for them and wants to know them, knowing that he wants to draw them to himself, the darkness he can overcome and being and prayerful about that as you walk through to just have his light permeate. Like in my mind, I kept thinking, Lord, just blast it, blast your light yeah. through these, these corridors and in these rooms and let these women know that they have value Seeing them just gave reality to the fact that they're no longer faceless people that are somewhere experiencing this life. They are real gals that have maybe, maybe they have a warped understanding. True. And yet it is their life. Yes. To them, it's not warped. It's reality. It's the reality. And to... To experience that on this level and be able to pray, to be able to know how important it is for the church to be engaged mm-hmm. and and take every opportunity we can to to support ministries that are you know bringing the gospel and bringing skills to these women so that they can leave what they call the trade. Yeah, uh, th- these are all things that now have just absolute clarity. In my mind, and I realize you can't learn everything in three days, but you can learn more than you knew when you got over there. Oh, sure. And yeah. and I just, I'm so very grateful for the opportunity to be able to hug these women's necks and pray. Like I, I, I couldn't necessarily pray over them because the language barrier and, and other factors in the moment, yet the Lord and I can have some pretty powerful conversations over these lives. Yeah. So seeing the women and the environment and the red light district and putting real bodies and faces mm-hmm. to the stories that, like you said a moment ago, are just kind of out there and over there somewhere, like it becomes real in that way. I know from just previous conversations, uh, I've been to India and things, not only are those women impacted, but very often those women end up having kids. Yes. Because of the trade. Yes. And... Did you have the opportunity to meet any of the kids? Oh, yes. So that oh, oh breaks yes. your heart for the women. Yes. Makes me mad for the kids. <laughs> like, oh. It does. 
And again, because of how I process things currently in my own life, what I saw was an organization that said, we see the need and we are here for it. We are going to educate these kids so that they don't have to be part of the trade. We are going to be here to love them and care for them, make sure they are fed. And listen, these kids don't have access to the Internet. They were so well behaved. They are well read. They learned like, what is your favorite subject? Maths. I'm like, okay. And they ask, what was your favorite subject in school? I said, talking. (laughs) And yet God can redeem everything. Right. Is that not something? To hear them just talk about what their dreams are as children, where their mothers have no dream. Yeah. They've been taught not to dream. This is their fate. And now these kids have the opportunity to dream. They will tell you, I want to be a doctor. I want to serve in the military. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a dancer. I mean, things that you see the light in their eyes with the dream that they have. And they're being taught about the Lord. They are being taught that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. It doesn't matter what their backstory is. And can I just tell you that their backstory will make you weep? Yeah. Weep. It'll make you angry, like you said. It'll make you nauseous. And it will make you weep. And to see this organization come in and say, we're going to give you another way. Yeah. We're going to give you a better way, the one that your creator has for you. I'm all about it. Well, we are going to hear more of those stories in the days ahead. But, uh, you know, while we think about the fact that those stories will make us weep, will make us nauseous, will make us angry, I think of the righteous indignation, yes. that righteous a- anger that can motivate us to do good. And opportunities to do that will be coming up in the days to come. So if you're thinking, man, it's all the way over there. I don't know that I can make a difference. You can, and we'll talk about how in the days to come. Glad you're with us on a Monday, especially as I uh, try to figure out what planet I'm on. You know, a jet lag like that, because it was a 30-hour itinerary to get to Bombay, Mumbai, India, uh, both going and coming. Although what I did learn about that is, you know how sometimes once you get in the air, they'll say, this flight is expected to take us five hours or whatever. And so at first... It was scheduled to be like seven and a half hours on one of the legs. And we get on the aircraft and he says, the pilot says, we're expecting this flight to take us about six and a half hours. Oh, sweet. One hour shorter than you thought, right? Yes. Nice. Same leg coming back, nine and a half hours. He must have been flying in with the wind on the way there and into the wind on the way back. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Which is all great as long as you have just a little bit of ability to maybe lean back or um, get your feet. Like, I'm short. Yeah. What I I thought about someone like you, because there was like, I think, three rows up on one of these flights. There was someone that was as tall as you and Briggs. I think he was even a little taller. Uh, You know Dr. Chip Dodd. He was about Chip's height. Very, very tall gentleman. I think it was when we were coming back from Germany, which made a lot of sense. And I thought, dude, how are you seeing an economy? Because his knees would have been up to his shoulders. Oh, sure. I would think in sitting down. I didn't have that problem. It was kind of great for me. I could like, you know, stretch my little legs out. Did your feet touch the bottom or could they just (laughs) dangle there and swing like a little kid? (laughs) 
they did touch the ground. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. I used my backpack kind of as a footstool because when you're sitting for nine and a half hours like that and it's you're really not getting time. up, it is a long That's long when you hope time. they have really good movies on the plane. And I, one, again, one of the legs that was the most particularly challenging, this was on our return flight home. Um, the aircraft was like sardines that you were just packed in there. My little seat would not go back. Oh. Nine and a half hours on the flight. Movies, not so great. Ah. Not so great. And so, it, but sleeping was a challenge because of, so it, it was just kind of one of those things. Okay, Lord, the, obviously this is inconvenient. Obviously there are worse things in life. Yep. Just processing and asking him to give you strength to get through um, and then the next flight was not so bad. Lot, lots more. That's yeah. good. So the, the the it was two different airlines, okay. and so the second airline had much more, even in economy, had much more space, and that was <laughs> so welcomed after the other experience. I, I get it. I was on a plane over the weekend as well, and you know, thankfully there was no one sitting next to me. And oh, so I was able to stretch the legs a little bit, spread them out, put one under one seat and one under the uh, seat next to it. So <laughs> I felt like, okay, uh, I can I can actually breathe in this space because otherwise you're right. Sometimes your knees are, you know, well, dry, going imagine. into the uh, seat back in front of you or yes. you're, you're trying to kind of wedge them <laughs> along the edges of those seats. Yeah, it can get a little cramped sometimes. You didn't get the emergency room? I thought tall people always wanted the emergency room. Uh, they do. Uh-huh. But unless you're one of the early boarders, you don't always get that. Yeah. 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 That's true. I'm too cheap to pay for the early boarding. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Fair. Very fair after those prices. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.